you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you folks. Thanks for taking the opportunity to let this broadcast come across your airways. We're just thrilled. I was at the gym the other day up in uh, uh, North Carolina. And while I was there, this lady looked across from me and she was pointing at her ear pods. And uh, I singled over to her and she ran over and she handed me one of the ear pods and it was actually this broadcast. So we're thrilled for all of you who are part of this and listen to us and uh, subscribe to us, take care of us, care for us. You'll remember yesterday we had David and Aaron with us and uh, David and Aaron Jeffries, they, they have a ministry called Family Fit Ministries on Facebook, also Married for Better, these conferences that they go around and help people and talk to people and what a needed thing this is. So yesterday we got an awful lot. We we came out of uh, right out in the beginning. We found out a lot about them. We found out they were married and, uh, you know, in the ministry, doing everything. You know, we look at people who are leading the choir. We look at people who are our youth pastor. We look at people in the church and we say, man, I wish my marriage could be like theirs. I, I wish we were. And then come to find out, boy, it was a facade in some cases. And they've taught us a lot about how to make sure we don't do that. And we're going to get into that a little deeper. I mentioned yesterday in Ecclesiastes 9.9, live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life of thy vanity, which he have given under the sun. So we're to live with joy with our husbands and wives. And uh, we're to, and, and joy's a choice and it comes from God. And, and we're going to talk about how things happen with them. So they were together and uh, at almost eight, Eight years after being uh, separated, divorced, leading a life of single parents, as they mentioned yesterday, almost eight years later, God brought them back together in holy matrimony. And we had mentioned yesterday that their eight-year-old girl at that time had been praying for them to come back together. And so many people around the country have been praying. I know their parents. I know all these different things. And and I want to ask the question now, now, I said yesterday, it can't all be hunky-dory, right? I mean, there were some things that had to be retooled the second time around. Yeah, yeah. So I knew God wanted us to get remarried. Like, that was clear. Uh, that was not a question. But for me, it was really a step of faith. And I always I always imagine it just like Peter when he wa- walked out onto the water. Like, he knew Jesus wanted him to come, and he stepped out. But I can, you know, his feet had to be shaken. He had to be scared. And so that's where I was. I was scared. I wasn't sure, like, how are you going to make this work out? I know you want me to do it, but I didn't. And for me, I didn't have the same feelings I had before. Like, you know, we we kept ourselves pure for marriage and we were it. And, you know, you had those uh, college feelings. You know, we met in college. We were really our first series. You know? And so... For me, I didn't have those feelings, and I had to pray for God to bring that back. I knew I was stepping in faith, and so for me, it was a prayer, and it's not something He answered right away. For me, it was about a year and a half before God really knitted my heart back to David, and I fell in love with Him again. Mm. David? Uh, Yeah, and you know, for me, it it was a lot of fear. And it wasn't because she didn't love me yet. It was, it was here I am, the head of a household, 
the leader of a of a marriage and I had learned a lot of lessons leading up to that second to that second I do but I don't want to do what I had already did right I wanted to do it differently and and it was really scary because we were getting ready to step into a season of marriage again that with the same person that we had failed miserably with eight years before. Yeah. And, and it it wasn't that we didn't know that God was leading us there. We stood at that altar because we, we were 100% convinced that that was in obedience to, to who God was and what he had for us. But it was really, really scary. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, one thing I, I do want to recognize here is you guys had no, physical or emotional abuse against each other. I mean, you guys had the the time of separation and those things that went into that and those things you've talked to us about already. But uh, I guess one of the cool things here is nobody belted anybody or, um, or, (laughs) you know, tried to blow up a car or treated, you know, there wasn't emotional damage, you know, uh, constant picking, things of that nature. So, so you get back. I mean, you're married, uh, and the second honeymoon is still a honeymoon, and that comes off, and you're all back living together. I mean, do you wake? I mean, what do you do every day? I mean, what's the thing uh, that you do every day to say, man, we're going to be more in love. This is going to be all about uh, what we can do for each other because marriage is about, as you guys know better than anyone, is looking out for each other's needs, wants, and desires. Mm-hmm. And, and how do you, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is how are we pulling that off this second time around? So one of the things that we talk about so much is communication. I know I've already said that, but communicating and to be a good communicator What's the number one thing? You have to be a good listener. So really listening to your spouse when they do communicate with you and taking the time to do that every day. Like we take time to listen and communicate every day. And it's not just to yell at our spouse, but it's really to communicate to grow closer together and to grow closer to God. Yeah, I would say, you know, that intentional daily activity of of just being able to just like Aaron said, just being able to listen, but but knowing that we have the freedom to have those hard conversations and to really say what we're thinking, feeling, and needing, rather than keeping it keeping it suppressed and hoping that they figure it out or assuming that they already know. And what we what we know is that there's going to be times where we're going to have hard conversations and it's going to be un- uncomfortable. But we also know that it's not going to be near as hard or near as uncomfortable as what we went through for eight years. Yeah. And so yeah. we'd much rather we'd much rather have a five minute conversation than what we went through before. An eight year separation or whatever. No, I, yeah. I appreciate you guys are so honest and so real. So I guess I'm going to a question that I would ask of anybody who's on here talking about marriage and things of that nature. And I, I guess a lot of the folks who Listen, my, my average demographic here is about 35 years old, married, a couple kids, uh, a lot of military people, a lot of ministry people, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But, but I guess, you know, people are always asking me the question now, Debbie and I have been married 40 years, but more relevant, those people in your age group in 2023, what do you do to keep the passion? I mean, do you have getaway dates? Do you have 
stuff you guys do. I, I know you're doing this communications, which is everything. But now yeah. let's add to that what we yeah. throw in um, to make the marriage pretty awesome. What would you say to that? Yeah. So this may sound kind of boring, but we are sticklers to our calendar. And so we do things like where we put in rocks. And so that's going to be things that David and I do together. And then what we do as a family together and those get it put in first and then everything else gets put in around it. And so if you do that, then you're not ever going to say, well, oh, we ran out of time. I didn't have time for my spouse. So you put that stuff in your calendar first. And yeah, we, we go away without the kids. I think if you have kids, that's like a big thing. You've got to connect just you and him or you and her together. Um, weekly, if you can, um, at least, you know, a couple times a month, getting away without the kids, just you and him doing fun things. Like don't, you know, you can go out and have dinner, but like do fun stuff too. What do you guys like? To, we like to do fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, I'm thinking of the demographics listening to this broadcast of people in ministry and military and, and, you know, we, we lived, Aaron lived the military life growing up. And, and of course, together we lived and, and are living the ministry life. And, and we understand that it's really busy. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really easy to find an excuse of why we don't have time to invest in our marriage or, or spend time with our family. But what, what my challenge would be is that's the very reason why you need to do it. Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be a date. It may just be sitting out on the on the front porch for fifteen minutes in the evenings yeah. after the kids go to bed. Yeah. Um, you know, we one thing that we do is is we get up early in the morning and we go to the gym. Praise God. And, yeah. and, and we do we do that together. We we have that car ride together in the morning. It's about fifteen minutes there and home, and we you know we're working out and and so we're not always talking to one another during that time, but it's something that we're doing intentionally to make ourselves stronger, but also to make our relationship stronger. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I was reading a book not too long ago where the, where the author was talking about marriage and he, a lot of the things that we've covered already, he kind of covered, you know, the, the communication, the intentional date nights, the intentional doing things. And, and, and he just mentioned how it, it's, it's all right to have hobbies apart from one, one another, but it's absolutely awesome to have hobbies together. So to have a commitment to fitness, because as our bodies look better, as we feel better, as a guy who lost 90 pounds last year and still, or three years ago and still popping off 80, put on a little bit since I've been lifting weights, I feel better about myself. When I feel better about myself, I treat people around me a lot better. And uh, folks, that's a real big deal. We're going to come back and talk a little more about all that. Just hang with us. return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. (music) 
So one of the things I'm really happy about with you guys is I, I get to view your Facebook page because we're friends on social media and things like that and have been friends, you know, through the separation, you guys getting back, getting married. I, I think one of the proudest moments of uh, Aaron's dad's life is when he got to remarry. I still see the picture out there on Facebook. I, I don't think I've ever seen him beam brighter. And uh, But as I follow you guys, the things I like about your marriage is there there is a joy. There's a joy for one another. There's a common bond. So let's say a church a group uh, would, would want to get together. We want to have David and Aaron come out. I mean, what does the curriculum look like? I, I think you mentioned that it, it's a, a six-piece six curriculum or a six-part curriculum. Yeah, we have a, a we call it a conference guide. And it, it walks us through six sessions, and Aaron and I put that uh, together. And so it walks through six sessions, and we we talk about communication. We talk about communication breakdowns. We tell our story, and we bring some application to that. And and on the backside of that, there's a marriage evaluation that each that each couple within the conference can take, and they can. Uh, just use it as a tool to set a framework of where they need to uh, improve and work on some areas in their marriage. And um, there's a session on, um, of course, communication breakdowns. There's a session on uh, on roadblocks. You know, are you defensive or are you critical? Uh, you know, how do you respond and react? Uh, we talk. We have a session on intimacy. Um, and what does that look like? What are some initiators of that? And how does that honor God? Because it is honorable to God because he created it within the bonds of marriage. Um, often that's one of the first things that we walk away from when we are uh, struggling in our marriage. But yet it's one of the things that, that really brings God honor uh, in our marriage. And we talk about we have a session that talks about goals. And, and finding purpose rather than problems within our marriage and with our spouse. And, uh, and then we have a session, it's uh, seven keys to a lasting marriage. How do we take everything that we talked about over the weekend and how do we put it into practice to make it last? Wow. Wow. That's all good. And I, I guess one of the weirdest things that I've found in my life, and I want to ask you to, if you found this as you go out and do these workshops, um, you know, it's just the lack of uh, not only physical intimacy, but mental intimacy between married couples. So whenever I'm in a marriage type of conference or environment, uh, it seems like there's always people who come up to me and there's always people who say, you know, we lost this somewhere along the way. We, I mean, what are you guys finding out there? Is that the number one thing you're seeing out there? Yeah, yeah. It's just like, you people almost become um, your roommate because we get so busy doing life together and um, taking the kids here, you know, dropping the stuff off at the dry cleaners, getting the groceries, you know, putting everybody to bed, wake up, and you're just in that repeated cycle of over and over and over again. And you're not, I mean, remember when you were dating and you were like in constant pursuit of the person you're married to? We stopped doing that and we wonder why we are where we are. So I say, one thing I say in our conferences all the time, if you want what you want once had and it was really good and God brought you together and you loved each other, then you have to do what you once did. You got to pursue your spouse every day. Mm. And the, the flip side of that is if you want something different, then you have to do something different mm -hmm. because if nothing changes, nothing changes. 
And, uh, and so it all goes back to, to the actions and to what we're going to put, um, you know, what we're going to put into it. And, and our, our marriage conferences are just tools, right? They don't, yeah. no one walks out of there. No one walks out of there changed, but they can walk out of there more hopeful mm-hmm. because they have gained tools that they can put into practice. As soon as they walk out of that conference, yeah. they can put that into practice into their marriage. And it gives them a little hope that we don't always have to be right where we are right now. Um, and to your, to your question, I, I like the word distraction. And I think oftentimes that we become distracted in our marriages with work, social media, uh, trying to pay the bills and all of those things. And we don't intentionally, we don't intentionally lose that feeling for our spouse. We just get distracted to the point where we don't recognize it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's really good. And I think that, you know, another thing too, is you guys have, you know, physical health is a big deal. And, uh, mm-hmm. you guys have a plan for that where you're heading down to the gym every, every morning, walking together, talking together, things like that. But I think some of the strongest things in my marriage have been, you know, walking along Reedy river in Greenville while drinking a, a latte and, and things of that nature. So we, we talk to people about this and then you give these seven things you're talking about these things that we have to, I mean, p- folks are leaving with a plan they can follow. Cause I mean, they're, they're seeing you guys and you guys have got, uh, you've got good physical health. You've got good marital health, um, good mental health. And so you've put together this list of things to carry with them just to share a few of them. What would you say you would, you would recommend that people carry with them and work at to make the marriage work? Yeah. You know, um, and some of them are really basic, but we would say things like study your partner, you know, study your spouse. What, what makes them tick? What do they like? What it, we we use refer to the five love languages a lot. What what is their love language and how well do you speak that? Um, you know, we would uh, one of those seven keys would be being intentional with your time, or developing realistic expectations. Uh, we spend a lot of time talking about that. That your spouse is not Jesus, and they cannot provide for you the things that He does. And so when we expect our spouse to provide us all the happiness and all the joy and all the love of life, we're, we're setting them up to fail from the very beginning. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I understand what you're saying. We, we have a tendency to be, uh, respecters of men and women to seek our joy from our wives, our husbands, our children, and, and a long list of things. And like you're saying, they're not, uh, you know, our spouses, our kids, they're not saints. They're, they're not without sin. They're not without these types of things. And so, so I guess as you, as you're looking at these seven keys, I mean, obviously a big key of that is the spiritual development. I mean, you guys are all about yeah. the local church, getting people into church, Bible studies together, things of that nature. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like the number one. And, um, just because if you're not, that's where we saw some breakdown in our the first time we were married. And if you're not pursuing that together as a couple, then you're not going to be growing as a couple. Yeah. In fact, that's where family fit ministries came from was that word fit meaning healthy. And we realized that we got into the situation that we did with separation and divorce because our relationship 
with God, number one, but with one another, number two, was so unhealthy. And so when we launched our marriage ministry, we launched it as family fit or healthy family ministries. Yeah, no, that's great. And, uh, you know, up to the challenge, being fit, being there. Number one thing you want to say, we got about 30 seconds. Number one thing you want to say to folks uh, on your on your way out here. Man, you know, I would just say that there's hope. You know, we, we get to this place where we feel like we have we have tried all that we want to try. And there's culture tells us to just find someone else to start over, to leave. It's better. The grass is always greener somewhere else. And, and if we could only say one thing to one more couple, it would be this try one more time, Yeah. right? Get, get, get a coach, get a counselor, get someone that's going to help you move forward from A to B in your marriage. But there's hope. There is a way it can be better. God is fighting for you. He's not against you. He is for you. He wants your marriage to thrive. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, have forgiven you. Certainly, we're with a couple that have forgave one another. Make sure you look them up on Family Fit Ministries' Facebook page, Marry for Better. If you need a marriage speaker, man, I'd want these folks. I guarantee you they're dynamic. They're involved. Uh, they've been down that road. We sure do love you, folks. Let us know if we can do anything for you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.